Hello again. And oh, we haven't been laid off. Welcome to the Selling on eBay radio show. We're here to save you money, mm-hmm. to increase your sales, yep. and to have fun. Mm. This is fake announcer guy saying here's Philip and Sherry. And if you want to know who Philip and Sherry are, you can find out more about us at our website. That's sell, sell, sell dot online. You can see our stores, what kind of stuff we sell how we do it, and maybe that might prompt a question if you have one of those. Uh, you can always get in touch through the site. Another edition of the show underway, and in the, today's program, Sherry, we have... The chill wind of corporate cutbacks Uh-oh. have blown into eBay land. So it has, and um, the Feds get a $59 million payday, courtesy of eBay. eBay Open 24, what's planned? Yeah, we got some clues coming through now. And uh, thank God we've got an expert on shipping rates in our team. And we're finding out from her what the heck is going on with all these pricing changes. And it's tax time again. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right, let's move on. eBay news this week. Sherry, eBay lays off 9% of uh, U.S. staff. Yes, that that's all I had on that one. But mm-hmm. um, I also know they're hiring as well. So yeah. maybe they're reconfiguring. Well, it's, it's sad, obviously, the folks' concern. But to be honest, I feel we've been paying the price as sellers for management mistakes, notably losing lots of market share to competition that came in and eBay was busy maybe worrying about bloggers on the Northeast or whatever they were up to do or, you know, internal politics, corporate boardroom hassles, all that sort of stuff. And um, the, the, the answer seemed to be just jack the fees up for sellers and we'll uh, make up the money that way. And I think that's basically run out of steam. So, um, yeah, uh, we don't know much about kind of what form that's taking. I mean, eBay has a lot of people that they call them AWF, I think it is. It's the alternative workforce which yes. I think is basically people that are not on permanent contracts. So it's probably contractors or freelancers and stuff that they make up a decent proportion of their workforce. And I think those guys probably are going to be the ones out the door because it doesn't cost them very much to, to lose them. And it's and quite it expensive. Sense. I mean, they have to stay nimble to mm-hmm. adapt. And it, the long timers that I know of have been there for over 10 years all still seem to be there as yeah, far as I can tell. I haven't seen anyone that we know, that we deal with, who's disappeared overnight so there we go and it, it seems to be from the little bits of information that are available uh, there's a couple of areas that have come up in various sort of online boards that have taken a hit some of the sort of product people commercial people maybe there were segments that just haven't been making quite so much money these days as they'd hoped and then also there was talk about they have an authentication center i think it's the las vegas one where they seem to have laid a few people off Maybe they were doing the sneakers and handbags. And I think just the truth is that it's it's a very popular service when you offer it for free. But when you actually ask people to pay the cost of this extra shipping leg and the handling and the, the examination and everything, it becomes a little less attractive and demand goes down. So they've, I think, discovered that the, the, uh, the whole authentication thing is actually more price sensitive than maybe their internal assumptions had, had suggested. I didn't realize they charged the buyer any extra amount. I'm not sure who pays for it, but initially it was offered as it's offered as a freebie. But I know that the and in sneakers there's a fifteen dollar shipping charge. Okay, well that's definitely. And then I don't know. It's not stuff I sell, but they are trying. I think once the category gets established, once they re-establish the market share, they think they've lost. Once they've established that it gets good reaction from buyers and sellers, they then try and you know get the money back out again. Obviously. And yes. that's when demand tails off. So 
there we are. We'll see. We'll keep you posted. Maybe we'll know more about that um, in the next few weeks as we kind of get a bit more detail. Something will come out. I was looking at the like the Reddit kind of boards and stuff. A lot uh, of chit-chat, but I couldn't really see anything that was terribly meaningful, apart from all the usual <laughs> wailing. Um, okay, also in the news, it's obviously news or not, but... Um, <laughs> in the Philip news. In my news, yes, important things to me. You know what? When you try and find an item uh, on Libra by item number, so I'm, quite, I'm trying to find my own stuff a lot of the time. I have an item number, and I'm lazy. I just like bunging that into the search field. Right. Where you normally would just type in the keywords of the title, and it would normally return the item, they seem to have turned that off. Uh, for example, on the, 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 the Seller Hub My Listings page, you now have to say, okay, this is an item number search and then put the item number in. If you right. take the old shortcut and just put the item number in the default field, which is description, or sorry, item title, it doesn't seem to come back anymore, which is a pain. It's a few more clicks and it's just more time of your day wasted. Right, but then you said if you search your store, earlier you were saying this is that are you saying you go into your store as if you're a, a customer well i've got two things two search? things two things i've noticed here they may be related they may be completely unrelated so the first one is they seem to have taken out the shortcut of just putting the item number into just a generic any search and it'll always find the item you have to tell it you're looking for looking down the item number yeah. on some screens not others more depressingly and I don't use the mobile app very much. I did try it the other night in the bar because I'd sold something elsewhere. I needed to change the eBay listing. So I just threw the item number into the, the search my store active items thing. And it wouldn't come up until I told it this is actually an item number. Then it found it. Now, messing around on a phone, that is quite a bit of extra time and hassle. Oh, yeah. So I don't know whether and that's all- a, a permanent change or that's just... You know, they've someone tinkered with something somewhere and they've got to correct it later on. I don't know. And you also, is that, maybe that's part of having that smart results come up where they're using probably AI to determine based on what you're searching yeah. for. We think you're looking for this. There could maybe be, that eliminated that. It could be that the item number conflicts with some other really important search. Inf- I doubt it. How many 12-digit numbers you know, are going to be in, tith- in, in eBay titles that happen coincidentally to match an active item number. I, I, I suspect very few, but I don't yeah. know. Anyway, so that's – and then the second thing that you mentioned, uh, and you, uh, you remind me now, and this is not something you were able to replicate, as I recall. That's because I misunderstood you. Actually, oh. the same thing's happening to me, and it's it's actually really frustrating. And we don't normally get into bugs because it, we could fill the whole show and it would be – it all changed by the time you listen to this. But so it's been going on for months. It has so been on a while. A yeah, it's yeah. been a few days. So we'll, we'll break our rule of not going into bugs on this. And this is when you bring up your store, you know, there's a top of the screen, there's, you know, search the whole of eBay. And there's kind of a slightly hard to see box a few lines down that says this is just searching this person's store. Yeah. When I search in my own store, I should be just searching within my own 300 and something items. It brings back everything system wide. Yeah, so it's not a search of your store. I've found the same thing with mine, and it's very frustrating. I have to go to the full-blown search on the Seller Hub and do advanced. it there. Which takes yeah, a long time. T- it's a lot of time. I find that page is slower to load than the regular just the shortcut I have to my store. 
So yeah, have you have you found the same thing? Are you, is it just us that's caused by this thing? Is it a special vendetta against us? I don't know. Um, I hope they fix it because it is just it's like all these things. It's a few more clicks, but it just adds up. And there's there's never there's never anything that happens where it's a few less clicks. <laughs> well, and it also before that started happening, they took away the option to click search title and description yes. in my store. Oh yeah, and as a result of that. In order for me to show my clients their yeah. items yeah. with their code, I have to go to the advanced search and do it that way. Yeah. So it's just not as easy. Yeah. And let's move on because this is kind of okay. personal to me. That's uh, not very interesting, I'm sure. But let's talk about $59 million uh, eBay. Another, oh, another big man. payout. Yeah. So eBay, uh, the DOJ wins a settlement with eBay that they're going to eBay has to pay them $59 million. And all they did was let people sell machines that can make pills, you know, illegal drugs. I have have some sympathy with eBay, surprisingly, on this one. I do too. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you can't really... It's it's tough to be held liable for what people do with the stuff that you, you sell. And a lot of these things, yeah, in theory, you can't sell. I've sold lots of things that I'm not supposed to sell, like refrigerant um, for air conditioning. Okay. You have to get the person to give you a note saying, this is not for, I'm not going to install this in myself because I haven't got the license to do so, but it's for resale. And then you can perfectly happily sell them refrigerant for air conditioning. Yeah, you know, and it's same like, with medical devices. Yeah, I, I, I had some uh, ultraviolet skin treatment thingy bobs. I've sold those, and you have to say, get someone to send you a note saying this is for parts and spares or something, and I'm not going to, you know, use it under you right. know, for treating anybody. <laughs> you know, and obviously they are. <laughs> and then so it's apparently fine. this kind of slid by. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure it just there's so many different devices that I'm surprised that they're you know having punitive damage here. Um, I think eBay. What they said. Was you know what fifty nine million? That's nothing. I mean, it cost about that much to just peel off Devin Winnig from the office door and put a different one on the on the door. So what's fifty nine million? It's just like you know we spend that on trivial things. It's not worth firing up a whole legal team to go after the fight the feds on this. We'll just pay it and hopefully it'll get out the news cycle fairly quickly that way. Okay. Well, hopefully it wasn't related to them having to lay people off. There you go. Well, there's probably some poor product manager of that category who had no idea this was coming. There we go. Uh, the uh, the fan club's in today. Uh, let's move on and talk about a different thing while Shari takes care of the menagerie. Um, oh, yes. Uh, we talked a bit about do we have a clue as to what might be happening this year with regards to eBay Open? Uh, what I'm referring to here is that they have now posted at seller events dot ebay.com the dates of the seller check-ins and for example there's one coming up on february 28th oh sorry that's a a seller social the first spring check-in is march the 7th we've got one on june the 6th it's a big gap for the autumn and then there's one on november 14th so i'm thinking to myself well let's say they were going to have an ebay open in las vegas in july we wouldn't be having a seller check-in in june However, if there was a eBay open, let's say September, October time, that would make sense for cancelling the autumn um, seller check-in meeting. So that's that's my clue is that I am assuming that this is all geared around um, the repeat cycle, if you like, of eBay open taking place in maybe September and uh, not in July. 
Well, thank you for your diligence. Not no guarantees, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, to be honest, if they were having the event in July, they would have had to have booked the venue probably six months ago. And I think we would have heard rumblings of that. And anyone on the record and off the record will say it probably isn't going to happen. Don't get too excited. So I'm pretty sure 2024 is going to be a repeat of the format of eBay Open from last year. Maybe a few tweaks. But yeah. I'm holding out, holding out a smidgen of hope that 2025, which is their 30th anniversary, they oh. might splurge on us okay. and give us a face-to-face. You never know your luck. I, those are parties are really fun. Yeah. So that's our, that's our tip on that. If you want to hold us to that, you can. All right. They're going to move on to something now, which I'm so glad we have an expert on board with this stuff. Oh, Shipping yes. news. We've got priority rate changes. We've got ground advantages all changing around. And UPS is announcing new things as well. So make some sense out of that. All right. Well, first of all, there's a new lower priority rate and ground advantage that showed up in January 21st. So you've probably seen that. Mm-hmm. And I just want to bring up some examples. I'm in Colorado. Okay. And I shipped an item for two pounds to Nevada. Okay. Albeit it's close. For $6.79 priority. Yeah. I have never seen a rate below $7 for priority. I mean, in years that I can remember. It's very rare to get a rate that's better than the flat rate envelope. That's right. Because it used to and be the I'm case, the flat rate was your go-to. If you get a flat rate envelope, you always did that because it was always exactly. the cheapest option. No longer the case. Uh, by far, because the padded flat rate envelope has gone up mm. to $8.74. It was $8.30. So mm-hmm. that went up. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye on that because you can make a dollar here and a dollar there. And uh, if you just pay attention when you're doing your shipping. But uh, the other thing that might be at work here is that eBay has just turned on the cubic pricing rates on the platform for our labels, which was not the case previously. Okay. So So it might be that what you're seeing going on here, part of the explanation might be that you're getting cubic pricing. Now, cubic pricing is when they give you a better rate because it's a small package and you can fit more of them on a truck, so it's more efficient. Because the typically in the in the shipping business, your trucks fill up volume-wise before they max out the gross weight limit. So size, small size has value to shippers. You can get more stuff on a truck before it fills up. So, um, And as I recall, the cubic rates have... Uh, like 0.1 cubic feet, 0.2 cubic feet, 0.5, etc. So depending on which cubic band you're in, uh, you get a break. And it's basically size and distance rather than weight and distance that affects the price. So that could be what you've got. Because I've seen the same thing. I Quite often I'm sending stuff. I'm in Orlando, so quite often stuff goes to Miami because that's a lot of international buyers route stuff through Miami. And, yeah, it's cheaper to print a, a package, a box, oftentimes now, compared to a flat rate envelope that I would have used before. Yeah. And so especially I think you'll see this with clothing as well. And that's where I've uh, seen it. And then also, so in addition to the rate changes from the 21st, um, eBay has decreased rates for ground advantage. And it said they announced this. You might have gotten the announcement for 
you'll see this for packages one to 20 pounds. Okay. That you might save as much as Mm $2.12. So that's exciting. And then meanwhile, UPS, their rates, as far as I can tell, well, they're making some adjustments where they have, I can't even say the word, accessorial um, increases. So for things like a signature delivery area surcharges, I feel like UPS had eliminated that for a while and now it's back. Uh, I don't know. Either way, they're going to have that more now. Uh-huh. And then additionally, additional handling charges, surcharges. So your rates are going to go up just because of some of these added charges. And they can be sneaky. They can be they can be high. <laughs> they can be sneaky, and they can add them on without you knowing about it if you're not careful. Yeah. So. Uh, look at it, and it's also good when you ship to compare UPS ground to FedEx ground because one of them might have a surcharge one more place and the other doesn't. Uh, unless and they, compare it to ground advantage. If just comparing UPS and FedEx, um, unless things have totally changed in this this set of changes, um, I think UPS their advantage is the as you said. I don't think they're charging eBay labels the residential surcharge, mm-hmm. which makes them pretty much competitive with USPS. Yes. Whereas I think the FedEx labels are still charging the residential surcharge. But the to get slightly technical, the residential the U, the FedEx contract that you you uh, that eBay has has a different dimensional divisor from the UPS contract. I think the FedEx contract is 166, whereas the others are 139, which basically means if it's a huge volumetric item and quite light, so its dimensional weight is killing you, you may find that FedEx home delivery is actually cheaper than UPS because the dimensional weight hit is less. Yeah, so you want to check it. Worth checking. Yeah, and compare it, you might save a lot of money. Let's see. The other thing that just, just... always surprises me is how many people seem to set signature required for most trivially cheap items i don't know what they think they're doing what favor they think they're doing themselves because it's like 555 maybe it's gone up now to have mm-hmm. a signature collected on on ups certainly through the ebay deal and if it's a, if it's if the total you know package price including tax is less than 750 dollars it's not your liability anyway as long as it shows up as being delivered, it doesn't matter there's a signature or not. eBay will cover you. You only need the signature if the total order deal gets above 750 But people cheerfully will spend £5.55 mm-hmm. on something that isn't their risk. And that's just throwing money down the toilet. It makes me annoyed as a buyer. Yes. I feel like writing to them saying, look, if you have that kind of money to throw away, give it to me. <laughs> yeah, Make someone happy. UPS is you, you not going to say thank you. I will. Give me the refund. You, you also are a staunch believer that you just do your own insuring where instead of spending a few dollars here and five Absolutely. dollars there on insurance, that it would just add up to when you have the loss, you have the loss. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, okay. and, and in addition to the accessorial charges, they are raising their rates, UPS, yeah. um, in February 4th. So we'll see, see how that works out. Soon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's obviously a fair amount of competition now between USPS and UPS. They seem to be slugging it out for the small 
business, regular kind of stuff, um, which is good. Yeah. For my household, I can say that USPS has definitely taken a lot of UPS's market share because Ground Advantage is competitive Mm -hmm. most of the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm just shipping it that way almost all the time, unless it's bigger and heavier. Well, the thing is now that because uh, eBay is now offering the cubic rates, a lot of people will not now lo- will no longer need to have a third-party provider except as a as a backup when the system's down. One of the principal reasons for going off eBay, if you had a lot of small heavy stuff, was to get those cubic rates because you could you could justify the the cost of variety from the dis- discounts. If eBay is now offering that, that takes away one of the big reasons for going off-site. And buying somewhere else like pirate ship. Yeah. Okay, we done on that. Yes. Uh, another one of these news things that's interesting to me. Then about you. Uh, you know, when you send other people on eBay messages, you can attach photos. Yes, I do that a lot. And maybe this is a, a test I'm involved in, or maybe everyone's seeing this. But they used to have a little thumbnail of the. You couldn't see anything there at all. And it always, it's the typical eBay thing of adding more time unnecessarily. You have to then click through, go to the site, and by the way, the browser's probably logged on under your selling account, not your buying account, all et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to actually see what the message is, to then send a response back because you couldn't see the contents of the photo. Well, thank heavens. There's now <laughs> a slightly a slightly bigger picture. It's probably 400 pixels, but it's better than nothing. Uh, instead of the little thumbnails, at least the ones that I've been seeing. So I think that's a step forward. Make it 800 pixels, I'd be even happier. But um, there we are. Yes. I don't know if you've seen that. If you think it's better or not, you can always let us know. Uh, you will take a, a voicemail, if you like, 800... Uh, what is it? One eight three three eBay. Don't ask me. <laughs> I, I forget every week. One eight hundred eight three three eBay seven twenty three is the number. Uh, let us know what you think. But yes, bigger embedded images certainly being tested on me. Maybe you've got it too. I don't know. And yeah. it's tax time as well. That's right. So ten ninety nine Ks are out, and this is the first time I've noticed it in my secondary account. I have an account where I. If I sell some odd things, I might put them in that yeah, account. Your junk out account. Yeah. And I sold $227 worth this year, last year. And I got a 1099k yeah. for it. I thought that, oh, is that because eBay thought that they might have to send it out for, oh, except that doesn't even meet the limit of 600, but it does meet the limit of one item. Yeah. But then I realized that it's probably because I sell, I have sold the limit in my other account, which is $20,000 right now. And therefore they send it to you for all your accounts. I think this year, you're right. I found the same thing. I have a buying account that I occasionally will sell stuff. I don't really want appearing under the main, the main brand. I think I did $500. And like you, I got a 1099K. I didn't get one from that account last year. There's only one month with one entry, 500 bucks. That must be the item I sold. And yeah. it just complicates things because now I have to put a whole extra bunch of rows in my model to uh, to figure that out. Well, I would have ignored it, frankly, in the past, but uh, there we go. So, yes, uh, 1099Ks are out. Uh, eBay seem to have done a slightly better job of tracking all of our 
various accounts that we try and keep separate and try and sort of throw them off the scent a little bit, but they've obviously been working diligently behind the scenes. And I suppose from their point of view or the government's point of view, it stops you just starting a new account when you get awfully close to that reporting threshold and start right. again at zero with another one. They, they've, they've seen through that potential play. And oh, uh, yeah. they'll, they will, because now you have to send all your personal, you know, your passport or your driving license, whatever it is, into them. So I think they are much tighter on knowing who you are and stopping you from running various different identities on the platform. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably a good thing, especially if, you know, for people who are buyers. At least the sellers just see a different username so they don't yeah. realize it when you're buying from I think there used to be quite an active market for people selling previously owned accounts in good standing that, you know, people that were doing dodgy things that got caught could then take over an account that you were selling to them for, for, you know, a tidy price so they could restart up under the wife's name or whatever, you know. Um, yes. So you think that's kind of stopping that? I think this whole know your buyer kind of thing, the IDs is part of trying to shut that down as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, that's, the, that's the news. If you have any news tips, you can always let us know. Uh, you can do that through the website. That's sellsellsell.online as we move on here. Uh, I was going to mention, Sherry, I don't know whether this is a general thing, but I, I've been watching, I don't know, some of the YouTube people and others. People seem very unhappy about the state of feedback. A lot yes. of people whining. Last few, last because week or so, they, lots of sites have been, people have been saying they are so unhappy about the way that eBay is now handling this. Because they can't get eBay to remove it. I've heard it on from several different sources, big time sellers who are really upset and frustrated one example is one who the person complained about a product, but it had nothing to do with the seller. Yes. And he couldn't get that removed. No, no. So, yes, I think it got it got kind of loose at one point. I think if you were on concierge, which a lot of people were, they're trying to prune it down a little bit now, but if you'd attended eBay Open in person, for example, that automatically gave you it. And that was a pretty broad church of people there yeah. and other things like that just kind of got you on they were trying to really trying to get people into it yeah at the time um and it was kind of an unwritten rule that if you're on concierge you could ring up and if they were if the if the rep wasn't having a bad day they'd probably just take it off with the minimal of persuasion and the policy was very loose in terms of how they did that and i think that they now kind of flipped the other way and the feedback we were given about how this now works is the policy hasn't hasn't changed at all. We're just enforcing it to the letter, and the reps yeah. have been asked. They still have technically the discretion to do it on their console, but the the guidance they follow is they do not take it away, except when it totally complies with the feedback policy the, the, for removal. And by the way, they want you to they push back and they'll say do it through the site, file a request online, don't take up talk time on the on the agents to do this. I mean, obviously, they're under cost pressures, as we talked about earlier, so that kind of makes sense. Um, so it's kind of flipped from one very loose to now very tight, and I think people are unhappy about that. Because as you say, there's there's kind of a gray area where, it, you know, as you said, if it's someone maybe says, well, this this thing took, took, took way too long to get to me, and it's an international shipment, and by the way, you know, you sent it out on time and it was some, somewhere else down the chain – it's not wrong. It's just not fair to. It's not accelerating. It's a system. It's an overall experience rating. Right, but on the one hand, 
a buyers know that they could mm-hmm. be like, oh, well, this person's complaining about something that the seller had no control over. So I it's a good thing I'm not a perfectionist. I only have one negative feedback in the last year. Uh-huh. But I understand that this would really upset a perfectionist. Oh, and we, to I'm, have I, you must be the any, only person who's not the perfectionist. <laughs> you're not the only perfectionist because of all the people who are complaining. Yeah. But I think that also people have got used to this idea they can ring up eBay and they'll take care of it. And they're kind of forgetting about the old-fashioned way of fixing this, yeah. which is basically the bribe in the person concerned the to, give it, to, to react positively to a feedback revision. And that's the old-style way of doing it. You simply you know, do whatever it takes to make them incredibly happy. And in my experience, you know, cash talks, you know, pretty loud. So, you know, if it, it, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but... And always, and typically, you know, these negative situations are the cheapest items because the the buyer doesn't want to put any more time into this. It's a trivial thing. They just want to leave negative and move on and spend their time doing something else. So, use. I mean, I would instantly just give them a full refund before I even start having the conversation about what can I do to make you happy. Because I think once yeah. money is off the table, um, it's a much easier conversation to have. Yeah. And usually the amount is trivial compared to the amount of sleep I'm going to lose having that thing on my account for the next 12 months. That's right. Just being realistic. That's just that's the way I am. You know, the price of a good night's sleep is 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 quite high. Cost of refunding someone quite low. Right. Uh, so that's, the, I mean, I think that's the, trying to encourage people to do that. And that's obviously maybe now the first thing you do rather than the, the, the sort of last thing you do. And also, I think it also beefs up the whole argument for paid returns. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I like the paid returns thing is that it does head off at the pass a lot of potential negative feedback problems. The only problem, I think that's yeah. Go the, ahead. The, the only problem with it is that the technically, if you read the 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 terms of it, to qualify to get the feedback removed, you actually have to implement the return. You have to actually do that transaction. You have to send them a label, the number needs to be in the eBay system, it needs to be a free label that you supply, the item has to come back to you and be shown as delivered. For example, giving them a cash refund in the same amount that they paid doesn't trigger the change. And you might fall foul of the new policy, even though actually it's better for the buyer just to give them a complete refund and say, keep it with my with my compliments. It's probably a better are solution, you, but you're not going to get... You, are you saying that if you click send refund as, as opposed to it going through a return mm-hmm. that won't count it's not going to trigger the automatic feedback removal because it doesn't see a return having taken place oh i'm glad you brought this up because if there is a return that's official and mm-hmm. you've paid mm-hmm. the return label ebay will remove negative feedback still correct if it's a free return, if it was free, if the listing said free returns, I don't think it does yeah, it if you okay. suddenly decide to do free returns after they file the negative feedback. Got it. That's right. Okay. And I do have free returns, and that's probably why I only have one negative feedback. And yeah. that was someone who kept the item. Yeah. And I was lazy and didn't go after them and say, oh, what can I do to. And I had a, a neutral remove. I didn't even know it took place because it was so fast in terms of the automatic system. I only noticed it because I did that thing about download my eBay data, looked at my feedback oh. history, and there was a big fat neutral sitting in there. I'd never seen it on the on the platform. <laughs> and so it it, they, they'd obviously nuked it out straight away. Uh-huh. Because I had, you know, done a done a paid return. 
Well, that's a good argument for free returns. So I, I don't know. I, I think people are just going to have to do this the hard way now rather than the easy way, which is just to call eBay. Um, but yeah, uh, but I think in the general environment of us all paying more fees and, you know, it's uh, people seem unhappy. General seller mood is not that strong. But what do I know? That's because eBay listens, therefore people complain. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk to our, our government <laughs> correspondent here. Um, 1099Ks, are we still lobbying our, our uh, congressmen and people? Yes, To because they've re- delayed it for another year. And uh, so now it's not going to be the $600. I think that was the IRS who couldn't deal with it. And the IRS didn't want to do it. Right. Uh, but actually, the government relations team is really focusing on shop safe now. Oh, okay. Shop safe act. I know I got an email from them saying, could I now again <laughs> email my long suffering senators yet again on this subject? Because it's in play as a discussion. And I did, because I, I, I do think that's probably worth doing. So that's what I did. And I got the usual stock response back they send every time, which is just basically a generic cut and paste about how. I don't know, it's all about how, you know, government should interfere in your life and how we should keep government costs under control. I don't know, I forget what it was. It just didn't seem to answer the point, but at least they went in the system. I don't know if it makes a difference, but maybe it depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, and eBay has the letter. All you have to do is do a couple clicks. Yeah. So to get that, you would follow, uh, become part of eBay Main Street, right? Yep. Or SBAN. Yeah, eBay Main Street, I think, is the one that most people probably can find. So, yeah, I've done that. I don't always do it, but I did that on a particular occasion. I think that probably made sense. I look at what they were campaigning for. It kind of made sense, so I thought I'd go with that. And eBay gets a copy of the thing you send, so maybe I just maybe it carries, maybe it puts a little bit of a checkmark against my name somewhere in a system in eBay land. Yes. So that when they decide who's coming to California in the future, maybe my name will nudge ever so slightly higher up the list. You never know your luck. How long did it take you to do that? Oh, it was very quick. It, literally about 15 seconds. Okay. I think I my, my password manager thing has a pre-populated thing for eBay lobbying. It just click on that and it pops it straight in. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, they do the letter. You just click the button. Okie dokie. Uh, let's press on here. We got. This. I put a section here called advice. Um, maybe this will be something we do more regularly. I don't know. Um, so here's, here's, here's one. And Sherry kind of encouraged me to get into this. Maybe it's too complicated for you. I don't know. Um, one of the things that, that does come up when we have uh, discussions, usually after the set of check-ins about taking photographs and stuff, people say, well, how do I get my, my colour to look right? It always looks a bit blue, green, red, whatever. How do you do that? Um, so I thought I'd just say what I do, and maybe this is something that you might find useful. And I'll, I'll say, start of all, this is about using a camera. I don't think as I've got a way of doing this if you use a phone because the phone is a law under itself. But I think some of the more advanced phones maybe have the same feature. So really what I do is really just look at the manual and say, look up white balance on your camera, because that's the key to doing this. And what that does is it trains your camera to understand or to adjust the sensitivity of the red, the green, and the blue in the sensor so that it exactly each channel has exactly the same sensitivity. If it does that, whatever you photograph is going to be perfect in terms of how that digital negative is 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 created how do you do that 
well, there's a billion YouTube videos of very complicated systems, but I use a very simple system and it seems to work okay. And bear in mind, we're selling on eBay. People are looking on their phones and their tablets and the cheap monitor and, you know, they're not watching on perfect devices. So the, you, you don't want to spend a vast amount of time on this. But a small investment of time, in my experience, makes a big difference. So what I do is I splurge less than $10 and I go to eBay and I search for something called a gray card, which is a card that's gray. It's about 10 by 8 inches, usually in the photography section. And it's a bit more than that because it is, it is two things. One, it is kind of an exact mid-tone. It's like 14 to 18% reflectivity, which is, per the human eye, a roughly a middle of the gray range. And it also is calibrated to reflect equally red, green, and blue. So it's a perfect gray, if you like. So with my camera, and each camera is probably different, but broadly similar, you look it up in the manual, you say, well, how do I set the white balance? So with my camera, you, you point the camera lens at this gray subject, which is lit underneath my normal lighting rig, have the, have the card pointing towards the lens, not towards the light, and you fill the viewfinder with the card. You might need to turn off autofocus because it won't be able to see anything to focus on. And click, you take that picture. So you've now got a frame on your camera that's just gray, nothing else there. And then you tell the camera under the white balance setting to go to this frame because this frame is the reference frame and everything in this, this frame is equal red, green, and blue. And the camera says, great, that's, I, now I know that piece of information. I can tweak the calibration of all the other stuff around the sensor so that everything now looks good. So by knowing I have a, have a calibrated target, I can then backtrack everything and make sure everything else is calibrated. And that is a pretty good way of making sure that at least the images that you capture have correct representation of color. The other thing that I tend to do when I'm doing this is I just walk back a little bit and take a picture of my nice gray card sitting in my photograph area under my normal lights. And then I bring that up uh, in my image editing. I use Photoshop uh, elements, whatever it is, but they're all pretty much the same. And just to check that the camera has not done something silly, uh, I can just put my cursor in different spots around the gray card and I can read off how much red, green, and blue is exactly where I put the cursor. So I look around and sure enough, I get 155, 155, 156, you know, 166, 156, 156, 154. You know, it's pretty much even. The, num the numbers are the same, red, green, and blue, which means it's working. And the actual numbers themselves shouldn't change very much as I move around the car, which means everything's evenly lit. If you meet those two criteria, then you've got a fantastic setup and you should have no problems getting even lighting and good color. And you can photo red and purple? and have it look red and purple? That's your best chance. Now, you can get really complicated because there are professional lineup stuff that have, you know, different patches of different color and, it, you know, but the, for the purposes of the likes of us that are dealing with people that aren't using calibrated monitors, just, yeah. just one really well set midpoint reference is probably going to make a huge difference and everything else is probably overkill. And I like using the gray card rather than the sheet of white paper because I think it's best to do the calibration 
kind of in the middle of the range because that's typically what we're shooting. We're not shooting polar bears on ice caps or black cats in coal cellars. <laughs> you know, we're taking shirts and stuff that's middle, mid-tone. So if we do our calibration point bang in the middle of the scale, then if it deviates a bit towards the black and the white, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to see it anyway. So that's why I like to do it at, at the, the mid-tone grey. Now, nice. part two, which I guess we'll do next time, that's the first step, is to get the file that comes out of the camera calibrated and the numbers to be right in that. But then if your monitor's all, all skewed and hugely biased towards red, there's no, it doesn't work because you're going to be editing it, putting it back and introducing errors again when you, when you do yes. the edit. So we have to calibrate the monitor, and that's part two we'll talk about probably next time. And that's a slightly more complicated process, but but that's the two stages. One is get the stuff in the camera right, then you feed it into your editing system, and then calibrating that so that when you're looking at it, you're going to see exactly what you captured without introducing errors because your monitor's off. So there you go. Very good. All right, so... Um, that's how to calibrate your camera. And that's why okay. I, I do try and encourage... If you people say, what do you use to take pictures? I, I, To be honest, fancy automation and stuff you don't need. But I think for product photography, a camera, whether it be a camera or a, an advanced phone that has the ability to set white balance, is something I would really look for. And I, I would prefer iPhone. an older device that has that rather than the latest whiz-bang thing that you know automatically moves people heads around or whatever because you're not going to need that for you know taking pictures of dresses or whatever um yeah that's more important so i bet my samsung phone's more likely to let you adjust white balance yeah good luck with apple on that by the way (laughs) yeah that's right and actually i use my old samsung phone for the taking pictures as opposed to my iphone yeah. I mean, the thing with phones is they are they are appealing to people that want things to be idiot-proof. So they don't typically let you get under the hood and play with stuff. Although I think yeah. there are that some Android why ones. I use a phone. Android ones that are getting more sophisticated, but there we are. Definitely okay. my Samsung's better at taking photos of items, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And my iPhone is better at taking pictures of people yeah. because it kind of softens them up, I believe. In portrait mode, they can be very, very good, yeah. 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 So, okay, my tip yes. is about shipping on this shipping kick that we're already on today. Yes, please. When, it, when first class was around, I had a whole different set of criteria. It had to weigh under a pound. Mm-hmm. I also, it had to be not worth that much for me not to want the mm-hmm. $100 of insurance. Well, Ground Advantage has just turned everything upside down because now you get $100 of insurance for free. So I don't mind having my more expensive items ship ground advantage instead of priority. And I think most of the time my buyer is going to want to save a couple dollars or a few dollars to have it go ground advantage. So I've changed it so that for everything that's under like 10 pounds or less, Ground Advantage is my first option because mm-hmm. I believe that'll show the least expensive charge yes. on eBay to the shoppers. And then for clothing and items that are smaller than 12 by 12 by 12 or not more than that, I'll put priority as a second choice. Mm-hmm. And then for items that weigh 
more than about 10 pounds, I'll put ground advantage maybe first and UPS ground second. Mm -hmm. If they're, I don't know what the cutoff is size wise, although I hit it the other day and I should have Mm -hmm. recorded it because ground advantage is still better than UPS ground or the same for items that are even bigger than 12 by 12 by 12. I had an item that was 20 by 14 by nine and it was still competitive mm-hmm. with ground advantage. So the bottom line is unless your item is more than 20 pounds and I don't have the exact size cut off, but um, if it's not that big, um, then put ground advantage as your first choice. And then always give a second choice in case that's cheaper or in case they want it faster, mm-hmm. like with priority. Mm-hmm. And then when you're shipping, see what's the least expensive. I, and Philip, you brought this up. I had something listed with ground advantage. The person bought it, but priority was cheaper. Yeah, it happens. And actually that's because a priority flat rate envelope was cheaper. Mm-hmm. So just always check that. You can save a couple dollars. Since I'm talking about, I have one extra sentence, that's all, maybe two. But since I'm talking about shipping, and if you your item has to be freighted, always have the buyer pay the freight company directly. Never uh-huh. charge them and pay it yourself. They need to have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And their credit that's number. That's my tip the Credit, for credit the card day. number in the system, not yours. <laughs> that's right. Because if it sits around on their, their dock for weeks on end, you get stung with charges right yeah and i've also had a buyer say uh, i'm refusing this freight shipment and they were doing it as a way for me to give them a lot of money back and if they refused it i'd be out the freight from california to florida at the time and back yeah so i have never let a charged a person for freight again and then had and then me pay the freight i always charge them the price of the item through eBay, and then let them pay the freight company directly. And at the risk of jumping in on your your tip, that's one of the drawbacks of when someone says, oh, can you ship it on my FedEx or UPS account? If they give you a number that doesn't make sense or they just don't care to pay the bill, that that shipment comes back to your account and they bill you, and they're going to spend relatively effort chasing the other guy for the money because they know they're going to come after you for it. And when you start talking about doing that internationally, because that's a common request, oh, can I have it sent to Germany on my, you know, overnight on my international FedEx account? I'm thinking, "Mm mm-mm. You know, if if for some reason, you know, it gets stuck in customs for a week and they say, ah, screw it, I'm not going to, I don't want it anymore. You know, all those brokerage holding delay charges, et cetera, and the return of the item comes back to me. So that's a few hundred dollars suddenly on my account. I have no way of getting that back from the buyer. So what I do is we'll try and try and avoid doing that. Because to be honest, by the time FedEx actually gets it to the the actual destination, it's not much different from express mail in real world terms in, in my experience. But if they do want to do it, then I say, okay, you print out the documentation pack. I'll give you yes. the weights, dimensions, addresses on your system with your account number, send me yes. a bunch of PDFs, no problem, I'll print them out, I'll stick them on, I'll drive it down FedEx for you, no extra charge, but 
it's your responsibility. And then they have no way of knowing what my account number is. So if it ends up spending a month in a warehouse because of some customs dispute and it just racks up charges and charges and charges, because it will, had that happen, uh, it's, it's on their dime. So I'm nervous about shipping on other people's account numbers. It sounds like a brilliant idea, but mm, it, it has some downfalls. Yeah, that's good. I didn't even think of that scenario. But it's amazing when someone's not accountable or have skin in the game, they'll just say, oh, never mind. I just don't want it then. So yeah. you don't want to let that yeah. be a possibility. Okay. I'll just do a quick tip as well, because uh, we get near the end uh, very quickly, because I promised this last time I, I, I'd talk about this. So let's quickly do this. Would it be nice to know when someone changes the price of their item on eBay? Maybe you're a buyer. Maybe you want to know if a seller's taken their price down. Maybe it's now attractive to you. It wasn't before. Maybe you're a seller. Maybe you want to track, you know, in a record somewhere, what prices change. Maybe you want to keep a record of when you last took the price down. Maybe you have a pricing tool somewhere that does that automatically. Maybe you have a virtual assistant. Maybe you want to track what's going on with them. Or maybe you're... Tracking a competitor, you want to know when a competitive item goes down in price or up in price so that you can adjust yours accordingly. So there's plenty of reasons why a real-time notification of a price change somewhere, of some item, uh, would be quite handy. eBay will, to some extent, do this. It will quite often, if you're a watcher, it will send you an email in good time if there's a change of more than 5%, I think it is, and you have marketing notifications turned on. But that's not really fast enough if they gut the price and it's now a really good deal. By the time you get that message, it's probably too late. So here's what I do, and there's probably other ways of doing this. So number one is put it in your watch list. We talked about that last time. And then I go to a site called automatedsearches.com, and they do a whole bunch of things, and you can explore that for yourself. But one of the things that they can do with that site is have it monitor all the items in your watch list and you can have it elect to send you a text or an email if there's any change in a watch list item. And you can watch your own items as well. There's no, no harm in doing that. Um, so, yeah, that's what I, mean, I use that mostly in my case from a buying point of view. I just I know stuff's not going to sell at the price that they're currently asking, but typically people start with a very optimistic price and it, it yes. ratchets down slowly with a little bit of realism kicks in and then the weeks go by and then they go, oh, screw it, I can't be bothered. And then it goes down 50%. And that's the point where you need to know that price changed pretty quickly because it's now attractive. Yes. And you can make your money on that. buy and resell. So that's, uh, so that's the time you want to know quickly because other people will probably spot that. So that's, what, that's one way of doing that. And uh, you know, I, I find that works pretty well. Uh, if you have other ideas along those lines and you want to share them, please do that through our website. That's sell, sell, sell dot online. Be good to hear from you. And I think that's almost it for this week. Should we do just some uh, stuff that's coming up in the in the diary, if you like? Um, I don't know if you're in the Orlando area, but if you are, you're very welcome to join us on uh, the 20th of February. I believe that's a Tuesday night. We're holding one of our little informal get-togethers at uh, Firebirds Bar and uh, Grill. So that's to, yeah. to, if you're in Orlando. And if you're in the front, sorry, front range area of Colorado, we're having 
our cellar meetup on the 8th, so Thursday, February 8th, oh, right, soon. at BJ's in Boulder. Very good. That sounds fun. And just looking a bit further ahead, if you're in the Bellevue, which I think is in Washington area, uh, eBay's having a cellar social. Actually sounds quite fun, but it's a bit of a long way to go from Orlando, so I won't be seeing you there. But uh, you can find out details if that's near you at uh, sellerevents.ebay.com. That's sellerevents.ebay.com. And also all the various cellar meetups and stuff are posted there. And that's about it for this week's edition of the Selling on eBay radio show. Philip here saying thank you so much for taking part. And thank you so much for joining us today. 